o'clock meeting start. All right, seven o'clock. So welcome to everyone coming on online. Welcome to everyone. Uh, you're in New Freedom, and you're at the Position of Neutrality group of whatever, 12-step recovery. We don't, we don't want to confuse anyone by claiming a fellowship that may offend anybody. So We're not going to talk about the problem tonight anyway. Um, two things before we get started. Um, those of you that are members here, if you're new, um, your families are welcome to come to this group with you. We'll let them in at 6.15. They can spend the time with you here. And, and also on Saturday at the Recovery Church, Chaplain Lee is here. 6.15 welcomes everyone in. And this Saturday, if you have interest, folks, they're going to do communion. So, um, and then he's going to do a brief service because he's going to go get on a cruise right immediately thereafter. Right? So, um, any of you here for the very first time tonight? Oh, good, a few of you. Oh, good. So, first of all, welcome. And second, let us warn you in advance, you're liable to perceive us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. The primary reason that's liable to happen is we intend for you to have a different experience here. What we do here, we've been doing for lots of years, we take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book, and we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? The process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. Yes? All right, so tonight we're going to get into the manner of living, the, the conscious walk, right? We've talked in later steps about improving our conscious contact, our awareness of being aware of God's presence in and on my life, right? And not in some theological way or in some philosophical way, but in a tangible way, in a sensory way, you'll feel it. And people encountering you will feel it, yes? That's how we know each other, by the signature of the Spirit, yeah? Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about. And we're going to start at page 83, the bottom of the page, and we're going to do a little review of the ninth step promises because it leads right into the tenth step walk. Yeah? So they said if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. So what phase of their development are they talking about? Step four through nine. Yep, they've learned the practices now of self-inventory and of restitution for harms done. Yes? How to admit promptly when we're wrong, how to get precisely where we're wrong, that type of thing. Okay? And then it says we're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. What's new mean? Never before. So unlike anything I've ever experienced before. So those of you that are less religious but are doing your 12-step recovery, did you say something in the third step, something about relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will or something of that nature? So what you're experiencing at this stage of your development, if you're here, the new freedom isn't freedom from drugs, it's freedom from me. I'm being relieved of the bondage of self subject to the request I made. Does that make sense? How many of you have had an idea who you wanted to be and then somehow got in your own way on your way to being it? So getting relieved of the bondage of self is a handy little thing, Yeah. Okay, um, we're going to know a new freedom and new happiness. We'll not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Why not? Because 
How many of you have found that out? Who's, who's been blessed with a spiritual awakening as a result of steps and starting to work with others? Have you found that some of the things you thought were the worst things that ever happened to you have become assets to help somebody else going through similar affliction? So is that now the worst thing that ever happened to you? Interesting, huh? Okay. And then it says, it says, we'll comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. I like the words comprehend and know. If you have the comprehension of something, what does that mean? Probably understand it well enough to explain it in simple terms. How about peace, to know peace? What is that? Yeah, you'd actually have to experience peace to know it, wouldn't you? Okay, so what is it to know peace? How many of you have had an experience of an absence of conflict within you? There you go. So no matter how far down the scale we've gone, we'll see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We'll, we'll lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. How many of you have had that experience? Your whole attitude, your outlook has changed. That's a, a tangible thing. It's a state of being, right? When I realize the world I'm seeing does not have the power to cause how I'm thinking and feeling, and I go inward and ask, why am I thinking and feeling this way and projecting it on this world I see? Does it make sense? Because we've found that the power comes from within us now to write our perspective. Yes? Okay. Um, fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. How many of you haven't really recognized how the fear of people have left? A lot of us like to think we weren't ever afraid of people, but we often were afraid to get up and speak our mind or, or to present ourselves authentically. Any of you ever tried to be something you knew yourself not to be just so you could win? Sometimes we do, right? If I think you don't like me the way I'm presenting, I may try and present a different me that I hope you will like, and ultimately you'll probably not like that one, and now I won't like him either. Right? Okay. So, they go on to tell us that, that um, the feeling of, oh, I, I, I move, economic insecurity will leave us, we'll intuitively know how to handle situations we used to baffle us, we'll suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. So what could I not do for myself? Yeah, I didn't have really rational thought processes at times. What else does God do for us? How many, how many of you have just outgrown fear without even knowing you? Just found yourself acting intuitively in ways that really wasn't your nature. Any of you not responding in the ways that you used to respond? In many of your cases, it's a good thing. <laughs> I'm looking right at you, Kitty. <laughs> yeah. God helps us outgrow fear, right? So that bondage of self, that prison of fear that I lived in is somehow removed based on a prayer to a God I didn't know, but I'm growing in knowledge of, yeah? Okay. So it says, are these extravagant promises? 
I, I love the debate because we should have a debate. They wrote it on purpose, right? Because remember who these people are. They were a lot like us. And so they were used to hearing people embellish a bit. And so when you hear this is going to happen for you when you're really down and out, it sounds a little, a little much, doesn't it? So they wanted to acknowledge that right up front. Look, I know you know who I am, and I know this sounds extravagant, but no shit, man, this stuff's happening for us. Right? So they want us to, they want us to question and see that these are states of being that are really happening for us. Yes? Okay. And then it tells us what's going on if, if we're not experiencing them in the moment. They will always materialize if we work for them. Sometimes they're being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They'll always materialize if we work for them. So anytime you're not in those states of being, then what is the obvious thing? Seek power to continue in whatever the next indicated action is, yes? Okay. So then it says, this thought brings us to step 10. So we went through all of that so that we could get started where we're starting. So we had to go back to get to the starting point. Any of you ever done that? How many times? All our life, we go back to get to the starting point, yeah? Okay. So this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests that we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. So if we're going to continue, we must have started. So when did we start taking personal inventory? Probably learned how to do it in step four, the suggested, right? So we're going to continue doing what we learned to do in four, and we're going to continue to set right new mistakes. So I must have been taught something about setting right mistakes. When did I get taught that? When I made my list in four, I got an eight-step list, and I started making approaches and getting specifications for amends in nine. Yes? Okay. And then it says we're going to set right these new mistakes as we go along. How many of you have discovered that's kind of the way you screw stuff up? So instead of letting it pile up, we're going to, we're going to clean up the baggage as we go. Yes? Okay. And then it says we vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. So if you have started on your eight-step list, your nine-step approaches, then you should be vigorously into this discipline right away. Because the big amends is 12. So 12 is just an extension of 9. you got to get that. So sometimes you won't even know what your old ideas are until you go to help someone else, and they'll drive you through the amends you still need to make. Does it make sense? How many of you have been working with people, and they went and did something heroic, and you're like, wow, I really need to go clean up that mess I made? It happens. Okay, so... Then it goes on to tell us that we have entered the world of the spirit. Now, they did not equivocate. They didn't say some of us have. They didn't say we might have. They said we have entered the world of the spirit to a person. The first 100, half atheists or agnostics, the other half believers, all of them delivered by this state of consciousness. We have entered the world of the spirit. What's it like to have entered the world of the spirit? New freedom, new happiness, not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. Does that make sense? How many of you are still stuck in regret about the past? What step you in? If you're still regretting the past, then we're back in four. Let's look at the past. Let's look at the part you played. Let's make the amends. Let's move on. Does it make sense? Now there's a logical way to seek God's presence in my life. Yes? Okay. 
All right, so then it says our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. So understanding of what? Effectiveness at what? There's no right or wrong answer. Everyone went, Whew. How many of you have grown an understanding of yourself as, as sick as opposed to just bad or flawed in some way? How many of you have grown an understanding of others as sick instead of, right? How many of you have grown an understanding of God once you realize that God was an experience rather than somebody's idea? Okay, so you're growing an understanding of all those things. Effectiveness at what? How many of you have found that sometimes silence is much more help than advice? How many of you have found that sometimes you should wait till someone tells you what they want from you before you decide what they need? We're much more effective, right, in delivering. We're always taught, we try and do it here. We try and show people our faith, not tell them about it. Okay. Um, so this is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Now they're telling me to continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Tell me when you must have started that. He's right. He's absolutely right, right? You catch him? Four taught me what I was really seeing. Four taught me I was seeing my thoughts and not the real thing. I, I, I wasn't seeing the purity of it, right? So from the time I was old enough to remember, I could spot selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear in you. But I, there's another little admonition in another book. It says, how do you see the speck in your brother's eye when you can't see the plank in your own eye? Better you should remove the plank from your eye, so you better see to help your brother. See, the plank in my eye is a perspective. And one of the definitions of insanity from this book is a lack of perspective, an appalling lack of perspective. Right? So in order to serve and in order to help, I cannot be judging. So I'm going to have to get into this discipline. I don't so I'm going to continue watching for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. But when these crop up, I'm going to ask God at once to remove them from me so I can better see to help my brother. I added that little piece, but it's in a foundational text. Okay. So it says, it says that we discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone, and then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. I'd like to point out to you that there is nowhere in the steps that suggests that I can help me. I've already admitted powerlessness to help me. But I have found I am or can be uniquely useful to you. Because while I can't see my own plight because of my limited ability, my delusion, I can clearly see your plight. So if I will ask for power to assist you, I'll receive the power I need because I'm offering it to you. Does it make sense? And so what you'll learn is these are the principles we practice in all our affairs, not the long list Bill wrote later, 15 years later, in the 12 and 12. I know people try and get us to learn it, but that's not the principles of this book because it was written 15 years later. That was used to sell a book later when Bill thought they were going to take the money from this one. 
true story. I'm not anti-Bill. I'm just telling you what happened historically. So what were the principles? Watch, ask, discuss, turn. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear. When these crop up, ask at once to remove it from me. Right? Make amends quickly if I've harmed anyone. Discuss with another. They're trying to teach me to pray, meditate, pray. But if I can't do that yet, if I'm not conscious enough to talk to the power within, at least have the humility to call the guy that's working with me, talk to them, and get out of my spin. Make sense? Watch, ask, discuss, turn. The principles we'll practice in all our affairs. Starting to make sense? Cool. All right. And then it says, then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. Love what? Tolerate what? Yeah, perfect. Learning to separate people from people, people's activities, right? Going to separate the beings from the doings. Yes? Because we're human beings, not human doings. And God's the doer, and there's always something in it. So we might want to learn to tolerate the symptoms of their malady and see what it is there we are to add to the situation. Yes? They may be reflecting something I need to address. In, in fact, they probably inevitably are reflecting something I need to address because why would I be used for the healing if I didn't need a healing? See, I, I can get a healing I offer to another that I can't find for myself, simply as being the vessel of that healing. Yes? Okay, so then they got some more promises for us. You guys like promise? So it says, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. This is one of the things I, I hear in the fellowships, and people encourage people to keep fighting. And I know, they don't, I know they don't mean harm, but guys, if you're still fighting your thoughts about using drugs, you have an alcoholic mind. We have to help you get free of that. Or you will suffer, if not die in addiction. Because this is the testimony of the first 100 and their experience with the first several thousand. I don't struggle with thoughts about using today. I struggle with doubt about who I am and whose I am, but never about using because I know what it is to walk in the inebriation of the spirit. And I'm not about to imbibe in something that would block my consciousness of that. Same way I didn't eat when I was drinking because I didn't want to wreck the bus. Y'all relate, huh? Okay. So by this time, sanity will have returned. So in two, I was just hoping for that. Could restore me to sanity. If I've done what they suggested up to this point, it's happened. So what is insanity? A lack of perspective, the inability to think clearly. So what's sanity? Sure, that's the automatic thing. But how many of you in other areas of your life have been restored to a rational sense of proportion. Yeah, so you start to see it, right? Because once the drug goes away, that was a symptom, and now we find out we've got all these other challenges. We eat, we crave power, we crave prestige, we, all kinds of things that we cling to instead of our identity in God. Yeah? Okay, so we'll seldom be interested in liquor, if tempted, we recoil as from a hot flame. If those two conditions are present, 
what's the likelihood you're going to use? It's not going to happen, right? I'm not tempted, but if tempted, I'll recoil as from a hot flame. Think about the metaphor they're painting for you. You ever touch something that you didn't know was hot, but you, you didn't need to be warned once you found out it was hot that you should let go of it? How many of you had plenty of knowledge that you grabbing that next fix was going to have really bad outcomes, did not have a similar reaction when you got it in your hand? And then we think we're not insane, right? But back to Sean's point, in the areas of inebriance, I, I very definitely was insane because I had no delusion. I'm not the guy who did the same thing expecting a different result. I, I knew exactly what was going to happen. Did it anyway. This is going to suck. Come on, watch. <laughs> you got me, any of you? Okay. So it says we react sanely and normally, and we'll find that this has happened automatically. How many of you have had your, the way you react to things described as sane and normal? And how many of you have had different descriptions of how you react? How many of you have found that you react to catastrophic things with a certain ease and little tiny things got you blowing right off the orbit? Yep, that's what the old timers said. You pulvard over mouse turds. That's what these. So we'll see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. See, if I had to struggle to get rid of my obsession to use, then I've given it way more power than it has. It takes no power to not use. What I need is purpose. What I need is I need that sense of ease and comfort that comes from within instead of going out in the world looking for it. Make sense? So that's the miracle of it. We're not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. Got to get it. If we're fighting it, we're given bad advice. I, I got to get free of the world while I reside in the world. And the only way that's going to happen is seek my power within instead of out here. Yes? My ease and comfort can't come from out there. It can only come from here. And you know this from your story. How many of you always just thought one more thing? You're going to, one more thing and then I'll be happy. One more job, one more car, one more relationship, one more... And it's like that horse chasing the carrot on a stick. It's always just that far ahead. And we learn here that if we don't take our happiness with us, it'll never be there when we arrive. Right? Okay. So we feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. The name of this meeting. That's for my scientific minds. How many of you have found that you have been able to sit by and let the world do what it does without responding to it. Not saying you didn't feel it, but you didn't have to respond. It wasn't a knee-jerk response. Now think about us at the chemical level. At the chemical level, we are action-reaction, right down to the cellular level. So have you not been raised above the laws of this world in the ability to remain neutral in the middle of chaos. And we say we don't believe in God. But to a person, regardless of where we are in our walk in spirituality, we've had the experience of 
being kinder than we feel like being. More evidence. Yes? Okay. So we've not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. So the problem has been removed. What is the problem? Yeah, driven by fear, right? They, they kind of laid it back for us and for that we really have a fear problem. And when, when fear comes on, there's really only one solution the human mind knows, and that's control. And so we become control addicts. And then all these drugs, they're just symptoms of our control addiction. Right? All those other things are just trying to Block consciousness, just to control how I think and feel, to release me from me. That's what all those things do. So the only substance in the known universe strong enough to overcome a control addiction is a substance called faith. Which is why they tell us faith without works is dead. They tell us over and over. Right? Okay. So the problem is fear. It drives, it causes itself to manifest that defeats me. Yes? Okay. So then it says, it does not exist for us. We're neither cocky nor are we afraid. So now they've pinned it right back. We know they're talking about the fear problem, aren't they? Because it's going to either cause me to fight or flight. That is our experience. Notice how they were careful to use the word, that is our experience. They told you who they were. Who were they? The first 100 who recovered. Right? And they told you later in the step two encounter, what their makeup was. About half of them were atheists or agnostics. They either believed God did not exist or God could not be proven to exist. But every one of them has gained access to and believes in a power, which in every case has accomplished the miraculous. So now when they say that is our experience, it's much more profound witness, isn't it? Okay. So then it says, that's how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. So how would I know if I was in fit spiritual condition? Yeah, and it's really simple. The minute you find yourself disturbed in the world, there's something the matter with your spiritual status. Go inward. Does that make sense? So we don't have to go any further than the tip of our nose to find out what the problem is. It's always behind the tip of our nose. Right? What's the main problem of the addict? Centers in the mind. Where's the solution found? Deep down within. So neither the problem nor the solution are ever out there. <laughs> kind of cool, isn't it? It's a simple way to live, but it requires discipline, which is what they got us in now. Yes? Okay. So then they go on to acknowledge the obvious. It's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. Damn sure is, isn't it? It's a whole lot easier for me to think you caused it because after all, I think you're an ass. (laughs) My problem with that is God loves you. And I've been called to be his ambassador here. So I'm not allowed to remain there. Does that make sense? It's maddening because some people really got a good mask for it, don't they? So, but it easy, it's easy to get off the program of action and rest on my past accomplishments and talk about my spiritual gangsterism. 
we're headed for trouble if we do for alcohol is a settled foe. See, we, we can't fool the spirit. You may be able to fool people some of the time, but you will not fool the spirit. There are no secrets in the realm of the spirit. Yes? Okay. So we're not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. So what does a daily reprieve seem to indicate? Yeah, it's kind of a stay of execution, isn't it? I've got a, a stay of execution based on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. Execution of sentence, execution of whatever. Uh, there's another book, by the way, that speaks to this about by the blood of the Lamb, his sacrifice, and the word of my testimony. I'm obligated for a lifetime to give credit for the redemption I've experienced. And if I don't, then the fog may settle in again. Make sense? I'm also obligated to use it and advocate for my brother and sister. Okay, so we're not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. Which day? Every day, even Monday, right? <laughs> Every day we must carry the vision of God's will into which activities? All. All of our activities. So that would imply that I can carry the vision of God's will. How many of you have learned that if you stay prayed up, you see the world differently? So they said a little prayer. Some of you don't speak in King James language, so I encourage you to talk to God how you talk. But what they said is, how can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. They put the not mine in parentheses. I'm going to tell you why. Because the not mine part, a will apart from God's, is pure delusion. And I'm not quite awake, so they're going to allow me that delusion. What there really is, is God's will and my disagreement with it. And so what they're going to do by the 11-step consciousness when I'm awakened and ready to go out and be a healer for the healer, an instrument of healing, then they're going to, the not mine will be gone. And I'll show you that before we're done, right? But for now, they're going to allow us our little delusion that somehow I know better than God what ought to be happening right now. Or that I somehow orchestrated what's happening right now. Okay, so... So it says, these are thoughts which must go with us constantly. Why constantly? That's right. How many of you have had attack thoughts fairly constantly? How many of you weren't aware of them until all of a sudden you were? Had somebody remind you? We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It's the proper use of the will. So... The way I want to exercise my willpower is wrestling with my thoughts of how things ought to be versus how they are. Don't get out here in the world of illusion trying to change events. Change my mind. And they tell me it's going to be harder for me to do that, so I'm going to have to participate. So what's the other principle? Resolutely turn my thoughts to someone I can help. So I'm usually, when I'm struggling with my thoughts, it's some person, place, or thing that I find unacceptable. So I'm going to have to wrestle with my thoughts and get in alignment with them in order to be able to help them. Does that make sense? Okay. 
So much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. So what did they tell us? They said much has already been said. What did they tell us? They told us how to recognize the power. And two, when we had our encounter, what did they tell us? Power, peace, happiness, a sense of direction flowed into them. So much has already been said because then they told us more promises. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we enjoyed philosophical comfort. Yes? Okay, so they said, we've begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. How many of you have felt some flows of the spirit in here tonight? Some of you have had some revelation. So that doesn't happen up here, that happens in you, right? So just because of the revelation, you've begun to sense the flow of his spirit. That's telling you about your level of consciousness. That's telling you where you are, right? Okay. To some extent, we've become God-conscious. So now, what is God-consciousness? The awareness of being aware of that presence in and on my life. Yes? Not, not an idea, a tangible reality. God, the subject of my experience, not the object of my belief. Yes? Okay. So then it says we've begun to develop, develop this vital sixth sense. So what is the vital sixth sense? God consciousness, source of life, power to live. Starting to make sense, isn't it? Okay. But we must go further, and that means more action. Step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. So I've been doing the praying. Now it's time to learn to listen. Yes? So we shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly. So when else did they talk to us about constantly? Thy will be done, thy will be done. So they've already got me in the prayer life. Now they want me to start paying attention to the answers. Right? So it isn't, it isn't going and sitting in meditation meetings and some of the things that people have made it about. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not the conscious walk they're talking about. This is about when I'm walking around in my life and finding everything unacceptable to me, yet I have to navigate it, going inward for peace and ease within me, and then getting power and direction to navigate the world. Right? Rather than fight with the world. Okay. So it says it works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. So they wouldn't have said that if they hadn't once laid out for us the proper attitude. What's the proper attitude? Honestly want to and willing to make the effort. I honestly want to grow in the spirit and I'm willing to make the effort to discipline my thoughts at this stage. Yes? Okay. And they told us that clear back in the first step. That they laid the spiritual toolkit at their feet and we picked it up. This we did because we honestly wanted to and we were willing to make the effort. And that never changes. It's always the requirement with God. Why is it all I honestly want to? Because I have to fully concede to my innermost self that God is God. And I can't do that based on a lie. If I still think I got a better idea, then I'm probably going to get to give it a go. Okay. Um, it would be easy to be vague about this matter. Have you ever heard anyone be vague about this matter? Sure. sure. Pretty much everyone's ever talked about it has been vague. But they believe we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. So I like to bring people back to the book here because this is the manner of living. If you've been through the steps before and you're still struggling in your thought life, it's because you don't stay disciplined, not because you don't know the practices. You're not serving enough. And you're not staying disciplined in your service. That's the only reason that you'll feel stuck, 
right? Okay, so, so here's the definite and valuable success, suggestions. When we retire at night, we constructively review our day. Well, that would be changed behavior for a lot of us. How many of you destructively reviewed your day? Or maybe destructively reviewed someone else's day? Kept it once removed. Okay, so we're going to bring it home. Again, everything in front of my nose is none of my business. I'm going to review my day constructively. And they're going to tell me how. Seems like a kind of a handy little trick to know, right? Okay. Were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Wait a minute. That's what they had me watching for all day long as I went along. They must have known I wasn't perfect. They knew they weren't perfect, right? God doesn't make too hard terms on those who earnestly seek. So every time that comes up, if I don't dispense it, then by the end of the day, in order to get good rest, I need to clean it up. Right? Okay. So they ask us, do we owe an apology? Maybe. Have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? That'd be a good time to call the sponsor who you've been telling you're just doing, knocking it out of the park. I'm doing great. <laughs> How many of you have gotten people to this level and have them call you every day for 30 days? Where's my people working with people? What, did they call you every day for 30 days? No. Some of them did and some, some of them, the vast majority didn't. What did you do in preparation for the call? How many of you did yours in preparation for the call? We're linked to these people. I'll make sure I've reviewed my day in order to have a dialogue with them just so I'm not the hypocrite. And once you've done it, once you've grown, it isn't even an evening discipline with me. It's as I go along anymore. But the reality is the reason I do that, not now because I fear being thought a hypocrite, because that happens anyway, but what I have learned is I benefit from it. But if you don't do it long enough, you won't see the benefit. And if you, you do do it long enough, no one will ever have to tell you again. Right? How do I demonstrate that I know I'm dependent on God to God? Pray, meditate, pray. Pause when agitated or doubtful. Pray, meditate, pray. That's how I demonstrate to my God that I know I'm dependent on him. I stay in relationship throughout the day because I know I do not know where I'm going. Does that make sense? How could I know where I'm going? I've never been here before. How many of you are either here or work here? Everyone's got an opinion on how we ought to do this. Guess what? It's never been fucking done before. <laughs> just, just a humility check. Okay. Okay, so have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? Yeah, but they want us to go inward. Those question marks are sending us inward, right? Eyesight without insight is spiritual blindness. If I'm struggling, I need insight. Yeah? And then it says, we, were we kind and loving toward all? So they're giving us a little, little bit of a handout, right? Exactly. So were we kind and loving toward all? And if not in our actions, how was our thought life? What, what spirit of grievance are you harboring within you? 
Were we kind and loving toward all? What could we have done better? Okay, let's move from what's been going on and let's move to what we can do to improve it. Have you ever noticed how if you really ask yourself, what could I have done better, you got some pretty clear answers? Okay. And then it says, were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? How many of you have discovered when you're stuck in self that you suffer more? Okay, and then it says, or were we thinking of what we could do for others? How many of you similarly have had the opportunity to go serve when you were stuck and pretty soon couldn't remember why you were stuck, you were just serving? Okay, of what we could pack into the stream of life, but we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. How many of you have done that? Got a little perfectionist still going on in you? And perhaps you made a little mistake, and instead of just owning the mistake and moving on, being authentic, you harbored it, hope they didn't see it, screw them anyway, they probably deserved it. <laughs> After making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. Those of you, the reason you may want to ask God's forgiveness, because I hear people talk about self-forgiveness, humans don't do forgiveness good. It's a divine act. God's forgiveness changes the meaning in my mind or it erases the event entirely. And human forgiveness is not that complete. So I want divine forgiveness through me because I want that completely rearranged in my mind. Look in, in Genesis, you'll see Joseph's change as he came out of the prison. He thanked his God for completely removing the memories from him. Yes? Okay. Um, on awakening, let us think about 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. So those of you that are not big on the King James prayers, that's a simple one as you go through today. God, please direct my thinking, especially be divorced of self-pity, dishonest, self-seeking motives. And, and those, how many of you have gone back to recovery fellowship meetings after you've learned what this book really said and found out they don't do recovery quite right. They make shit up. And then you want to correct them. And it's a really unspiritual thing to do. Because we're better demonstrating our principles than talking about them. Yeah, I'm supposed to be practicing these principles in all my affairs, not correcting these other sons of bitches in theirs. But I got to learn that when I'm in the disturbance, God, please direct my thinking, especially that I'd be divorced of self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Right? That's pretty simple. And it can keep you, keep you occupied on growing in the spirit as you go through the day. Okay? Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. So I'm going to employ my mental faculties. When I employ my mental faculties, what does that mean? means my brain's working for me. My brain is a tool intended for me to receive God's instruction and move in the earth, yes? How many of you have learned that if I don't have the brain working for me, I'm the tool and the brain's working me? You ever woke up and the brain was working you? Yeah, whether you're awake or asleep or whatever, right? Anytime we think the world's causing how we think and feel, 
the brain's in charge. But we're supposed to be employing that tool for God's purpose, yes? Okay. And then it says, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. So the wrong motives are self-pity, dishonest, self-seeking motives. And I live out my whole life on my thought life. We, we see, That's why all of us that are older don't think we're older. We just think all the rest of y'all are older. Because we live out our life up here and we don't know that we're looking like the, the weather's showing on us a little. <laughs> Um, in thinking about our day, we may face indecision. So they're, gonna, they're now talking in present tense. Most of the book, they were talking in past tense about an experience they have. Now they're talking about the conscious walk. They're talking to you in present tense. Does that make sense? So we may, if we're with them here, we're now we. They were the first we, but we're joining them in the fellowship of the Spirit. So now, while we're growing in the we. Start to make sense? We're not we until we're awake. Sitting in a chair won't get you to we. We got to grow up spiritually to be we. But now they're talking to us as fellows in the spirit. Does it make sense? And we may face indecision. How many of you growing in the spirit have faced indecision? How many times today? Did you know we have a little operating manual for how to deal with it? It's pretty cool. Watch how they do this. Okay, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Here, we ask God for inspiration. God, inspire me. It's that simple. And then it says, an intuitive thought or decision. So the meditation is going to come to me as an intuitive thought or decision. I'm not going to necessarily hear it. I'm going to hear it in my thought. Those of you, any of you ever been diagnosed with mental illness and you could hear your thoughts? Maybe you were supposed to be hearing those thoughts. Maybe they were a little louder than you wanted them to be. And maybe they were destructive, but we're still, all of us, all of us hear our thoughts. And we've got to learn to listen because it's a, it's a still small voice informing us of what's up. Yes? How many of you have got advanced knowledge of what's about to happen? How many of you acted in what you knew was about to happen and amazed everyone around you? And then we say we don't believe, right? Because we're doubters by nature. But we know we see it happening all the time, right? Okay. So... We relax and take it easy. Why would that be a prerequisite for? So we can receive and so we don't reinvent the question. Right? Here, God inspire me, particularly in this matter. And exactly this way, because this would really be convenient. This will make a great story, trust me. Any of you ever try to negotiate your way into... A perfectly mapped out settlement. Yeah. Um, so we relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We're often surprised how the right answers come after we've tried this for a while. You're going to develop wait patiently on the Lord. You're going to develop understanding what that means by asking and then be still and know. Because it may seem like an eternity, but I'm telling you it's coming. You will not ask and not receive. You may misperceive, but you will receive. Yes? And remember, time, God's the author of that. So just because you want it now, if it's going to be better suited for you 10 years from now, that's when you'll receive. 
You need to know that because a lot of life happens while we're thinking life isn't happening. And all of it's preparatory for where we're going. When we look back, we can see it clearly. Yes? So it says what used to be the, the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still in experience and having just made conscious contact with God, it's not probable we're going to be inspired at all times. Why'd they warn us of that? Because I want to be inspired at all times. And, and I will feel like I've been let down. And I'll think, screw it. Why can't I be inspired at all times? But there would not be promises if there weren't going to be times without inspiration. The promises aren't for when I'm just full of joy. The promises are for when I can't see any light. So I can hold on. Does it make sense? Okay. So we might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. How many of you have done that? How many of you guys in recovery have done things for people that everyone else watching thought was absurd? What do you mean you're not going to dinner and you're going over the slope to pick that guy up? He called you six times last week. And he's out there under the same bush. (laughs) Yeah, but I've been under that bush. And I cannot enjoy dinner when I know Harvey's under the bush. Who knows what I'm talking about? And we go, and it seems absurd. Where's my more religious friends? When we know they've got a spirit on them that's not suiting them. And we just start praying on them. And all of a sudden they start to shake and shudder and roll. And everyone watching goes, they're weird. And I go, no, they're possessed. (laughs) We're fixing it. Or somebody is. Um, Anyway, nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. There's the promise. It will get smoother. we got to stay in discipline. Those of you guys who have been around here a while, Paul's been around here for eons. He's another one that hasn't aged a bit. It gets easier, right? We don't struggle. Okay. Um, we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. Interesting how I'm asking for direction prior to taking the step. That's quite a discipline, isn't it? How many of us think we know what step to take all the time? We do. But we don't. And they're learning as you grow in the spirit, I need to know every step before I take it. Yes? Okay. That we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially from freedom from self-will and are careful to make no request for ourselves only We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We're careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. So they're telling us it doesn't work, and then they're telling us you can easily see why. But I find when I get new people, sometimes they can't easily see why. So I like to unwind that a little. How many of you, when you first came around recovery or in reentry, wanted your probation, your fines, your pending, sentencing, something there removed. How many of you did not get it removed, but went through it and in the process grew? Your self-esteem returned to you eventually. Your, your 
guilt, your shame and remorse. You came into your own being as a result of walking through and paying the price, whatever that price was. And, and you became stronger spiritually as a result of enduring it. So the, the, what you were trying to avoid was what was going to prepare you for where you're going. So we can easily see why now, right? Okay. Um, if circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. So how would I know if circumstances warrant? They'll ask, probably. Have you ever sat down to do your morning ritual and then been with whoever your significant other is and they just wanted to join you? They'll let you know, right? Why do you do that? Well, here, let me show you, right? Sometimes we do our own. Denise and I do, do our own, but we've done them together too, right? Sometimes she's doing it with somebody else. She's doing a different one with somebody else. Or she's writing somebody on a yard and said, have you ever tried this one? And so she doesn't want to talk to him and not try it, so she's doing another one. I'm just telling you how we do it. And it's usually while she's writing six letters to all you people who know her. That's at 3.30 in the morning she's writing those letters to you. Um, because she knows that her freedom is dependent on your freedom. Yeah. Um, so if circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to a religious denomination which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. So what they're saying is if you do devotions, there's nothing wrong with that, but don't replace your AA practice. Don't replace the instruction God has for you with something you're reading out of a book. Right. Does it make sense? That God's got a word for you every day, all, way, all day long. You know, so just know that. Okay? Um, if not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principle we've been, we've been discussing. So that's the one they just already told you. God, please direct my thinking, especially it be divorced of self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. That's not going to offend anybody. It doesn't have any these, thous, nothing in it. And if you're more like me when I first got here, it's Papa, can you help a motherfucker out, right? Looking dim, looking dim. Going to need to see some light. Okay. Okay. There, may, there, there are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. It didn't tell you that quick to see that they're right. It said be quick to see where they're right, which means you're going to need to read their books, be informed about the matters of the spirit they speak of, and then measure it against the spirit in you. And if it's true, hold on to that. And if it's not, it's not for you. Does it make sense? Same as what's happening in here. Run it against the spirit. If you can't prove this against your spiritual disciplines, if you can't prove this biblically, reject it. Does it make sense? Okay. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful. How many of you have ever been agitated or doubtful? So that's a fairly common human condition, yeah? So we're going to pause. What was our old motive? Just go right off, right? Okay. So then it says, ask for the right thought or action. I want to point out to you one of the revelations I got a few years ago is the agitator in a washing machine is just a gentle stirring. So the more you grow in the spirit, pay attention to the gentle stirrings in you because they're often not sources of agitation. They're pointing your direction to someone who needs your help. Make sense? Some of you felt that. Who felt that? bunch of you. You've had a few stirrings lately, I take it. Yeah. 
So that's why we want to improve conscious contact, my awareness of being aware of those slight agitations because they're always guiding me to somebody. If I have a blessing for you, I have to first possess it to give it. And I don't even know my old ideas, but if I offer help to you, whatever healing I need, I'm delivering to you through me. I'm receiving mine as I deliver. Whatever y'all came in here looking for tonight, I got a hit of it on the way by. I got, I got healing times 200 and something in here tonight. That's why if you understand what I'm saying, you'll be doing what you see me doing. Right? Um, so then it says we constantly remind ourselves we're no longer running the show. Humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. Notice the delusion of not mine is gone. See, I promised you we'd get there, didn't I? So at this level of consciousness, you're awakened. You're now ready to serve. You're now ready to be an instrument of healing to the masses. You're now ready to go carry the good news to somebody. Make sense? So you're going to be doing this prayer meditation and prayer, not a one and done, but all day as we go along, the conscious walk. So that I can be, why would I practice these principles in all my affairs? So I can serve every time I'm required. Why would I do that all day long? Because I'm dependent by nature. It's just a matter of whether I'm dependent on him or the world. Does it make sense? Okay. So we're then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. How many of you have had those types of afflictions? How many of you have noticed as you've grown in the spirit you were in less danger of those things? You thought it through before you responded, right? What part of that did you ask for? None of it. That happened automatically because we were growing in the spirit and had a heart to serve, yes? And all these other problems went away. Right? And all we thought we wanted to do is find out how to quit destroying our lives with methamphetamine. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily for we're not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. It works. It really does. There's a promise. All of this stuff, the process works to improve your consciousness of God in your life. And when you quit fighting God, your blessings come. They're multiplied every day all the time. Make sense? So it says we alcoholics are undisciplined. So we let God discipline us in the simple way we've just outlined. So it's all God anyway. Disciplining me. Making me aware that that which I perceive is not that which he's showing me. Does that make sense? So as soon as I learn that everyone God shows me, even the one I hate, he loves. And my job, because I have agreed to serve, is to love for him here. The spearhead of God's ever advanced advancing creation, then I know desperately how badly I need power greater than me to love the unlovely, to tolerate the intolerable, to be kinder than I feel like being as I go along. But as I do, I'm freer and freer from my thoughts of how I ought to be because I'm playing for an audience of one. Kind of cool, huh? Okay. So then it says, this is not all. There's action and more action. Faith without works is dead. They're reminding me again. I'm going to prove the power to me, through me. I'm going to outgrow doubt by acting. Faith without rigorous action is dead. Right? 
The next chapter is entirely devoted to step 12.